You have joined Iron Sharpens Iron, a podcast for Catholic men by Catholic men to help set the world on fire for Christ. I'm Matt Palmer. I'm with Catholic Men's Ministry, and it's just my pleasure to welcome my co-host, Devin Shad, Fathers of St. Joseph. Our two ministries together produce Iron Sharpens Iron. Devin, good morning, brother. Good morning, brother. Good to be with you here today. It is. We are still in the uh, towards the end of the Easter season, and I'm so excited for this show. We are joined by the founder, one of the founders and executive directors of Damascus, an incredible Catholic apostolate based in uh, just north of Columbus, Ohio. Dan Demite, one of the executive directors. Dan, good morning, brother. Hey, good morning, Matt. Devin, it's exciting to be on radio with you. It is so exciting. It is so exciting. Devin, why don't you open us in prayer, and then we're going to just jump into a conversation and just find out what the Lord's doing through Damascus. Great. All right. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. God, our Father, we, we know that you sent your Son to reveal to us the way, the truth, and the life that you have in store for each and every one of us. We beg that through him we can be given the Spirit, that we can become the men, the leaders, the fathers, but most of all, the sons of you that were called and destined to be. Grant us heroic trust, great faith, and prompt obedience in all that you ask of us. And please, pour out your Spirit upon us during this time, and uh, reach as many souls as, as you would be willing to do. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Mama Mary and St. Joseph, pray for us. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Devin. Well, again, Dan, um, let's our listeners out there. Let's let's give them a little bit of background about you. Talk a little bit about growing up and uh, when and how you began to encounter Christ and His call in your life. Tell us a little bit about Amber and the children, and then we'll we'll jump into the ministry. Oh, that's so fun! Awesome! I love to share how Jesus transformed my life. Um, well, yeah, I'm married. I've got four awesome kids. Um, they are just as wild and crazy as my wife and I. She's an Italian <laughs> from New Jersey on the Jersey Shore, and I'm just cut out of a crazy cloth. And so uh, it turns out our, our children have the same DNA as the parents, which is it's fun. That means we have the same DNA as God's Father as well. <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I grew up a uh, great Catholic family. My mom was so devoted to the faith. I, you know, childhood memories of her sitting at the table every night with the Bible open and, and praying and just uh, witnessing uh, to me. I think I first encountered Jesus in seventh grade in a personal way on a mission trip. I, I saw Jesus in the poor, and uh, ironically, it was like eight-year-old boys playing football with them, uh, just the poorest of the poor in Appalachia here in the U.S., and seeing Jesus alive in them um, and recognizing the face of God in another person set me on a path of like, okay, there's something more to life than just me, um, that people matter, like the the purpose of life is to to give your life away. And uh, I had a powerful experience in middle school, just um, funny, like I had friends who were highly suicidal and uh, it was a Catholic school, but students who were cutting their wrists and talking about ending their life, they were ODing on pills, and it's like, man, you're you're a seventh grader, and what's going on? And um, my heart was broken, just like it was broken for the poor. It started to be broken for my classmates, and I didn't know what to do, and I knew that I wasn't able to save them, and 
my mom uh, just graciously told me who the Savior was and that the only person who could save another is Jesus. And I think that the dependency on Christ uh, for ministry was really born in me at that moment of like, okay, I, I don't know how to help you, but I know the answer to all of your pain and your hurt. And uh, so a lot of a retreat for my classmates in eighth grade uh, was probably poorly programmed. Uh, Michael W. Smith was the theme song, was uh, my place in this world. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, it wasn't the best retreat in the world, but it was uh, an experience where I said, I want to I want to help lead others to Christ. And, and I went to high school, and, you know, high school is one of those weird moments where you go through all this intellectual growth. And I went uh, to a uh, college preparatory school, and I started to think that I was the master of the universe. Um, intellectualism kind of started to really dominate things, and um, uh, I, I really grew an agnosticism towards, well, I guess towards the, just the Catholic faith, and I saw Christians who were alive in Christ Jesus, uh, Christians who uh, loved the Lord, talked about Jesus, read scriptures, and then I went to the Catholic Church, and I was like, well, why aren't we alive in Christ Jesus? Like, why are we dead? And uh, so by my senior year, I was pretty convinced I was going to leave the church and become a Protestant. Uh, loved the Lord still, but didn't love Catholicism. And uh, I remember telling my mom, you know, like I'm gonna I'm gonna leave Catholicism. You guys don't think for yourselves. You just do whatever the Pope tells you. And uh, I even had a journal where I had written my vision for the church I was going to start someday. <laughs> and uh, you know, what 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 was I going to steal from the Catholic Church? What was I going to leave behind? It was like you know, cafeteria Catholicism, pick and choose. And um, and then my senior year, I had an encounter with Jesus in the Eucharist. Um, luckily, I had a youth minister who, you know, he basically locked me in a room and said, read John chapter 6 and read John Paul II and uh, his theology of the Eucharist. And I spent about four hours just reading and praying. And I went to Mass that day. It's just a normal daily Mass, no show, uh, no, no glamour. And as I walked down the aisle to receive the Eucharist, I just said a simple prayer, Lord Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. And, you know, because after reading John 6, it was like, okay, either this is real or it's not real. And Jesus, if you are real, manifest yourself and show me that you're real. And when I received the Eucharist that day, it wasn't like anything happened. I didn't really feel any different. Um, but my spirit, my soul was uh, transformed. It was as if scales fell from my eyes spiritually. And... The gifts of the Holy Spirit that we receive in confirmation, like wisdom, knowledge, courage, uh, understanding, all of those gifts became alive in my life. And I uh, just fell deeply in love with Jesus in the Eucharist, and uh, it was as if the Holy Spirit became alive. And things I disagreed with on the Church teaching, all of a sudden I not only agreed with, but I uh, I knew how to defend, and I knew Scripture that backed it up, and it was like a it's a spiritual gift. And, um, yeah, and so the really the, the last real mark uh, that same year was I had a, a lot of my plans for the future uh, fell apart. I wanted to go to Notre Dame. I had a full-ride scholarship with ROTC through Notre Dame, but I didn't get accepted into the university. Um, and my plans uh, to go to state for wrestling, I didn't make it to states. I got disqualified for hitting an illegal move in districts. And all of my personal ambitions shattered, and I found myself uh, that same year in front of a cross, and the Lord just spoke to my heart, not in an audible voice, but in the depth of my soul, and just said, Dan, uh, 
um, my love for you cost me my life. What does your love for me ever cost you? And the, the conviction of that moment was, if the Lord gave me his life, I want to give him my life. Um, and really, a, a seed for ministry was planted that day, just a true hunger um, to give my life in the mission field of the Lord. And um, that was uh, in 2003. And so I've, I've now been kind of all in as a missionary of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, for uh, ever since then. You know, I'm sitting here just listening, uh, always in awe of how the Holy Spirit calls each one of us in such a unique uh, but powerful way. And, you know, Devin, I'm, 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 as I listen to Dan's testimony, I realize that really this call can happen at different stages of life. I mean, Dan's kind of sharing a journey that for many men happens later. Um, maybe give, um, give our listeners a little, from your perspective, the, the first, the understanding of our own despair, the understanding of our own brokenness that, you know, Dan witnessed as a young middle schooler, high schooler, all around him, seeing it in himself, seeing it in his friends who were despairing of life. And then, and then this gradual awakening and coming to a realization that there is one who loves them um, and is willing to give and has given his life for them. Men can... Men experience this. Uh, it's the beginning of conversion. Help, help guys out there that are listening put some context around what Dan is sharing. Uh, I just think that Dan's story is fantastic, first of all, but I think that what was happening all around him is what's happening in the world today. And what that is is we're trying to suck as much life out of stimulation, uh, sexuality, sensual appetites, all these things that we think are going to give us happiness, and then we wake up one morning and we're wondering why we're so empty. And then, like Dan says, we want to slit our wrists. We want to give up on life. The thing that got Dan through, sounds like, is your mom and the Bible and this, these deep roots in Catholicism, which allowed you to hold on. But I think the key here is this, is that the turning point for Dan, for so many of us, was, I, I wonder, is that why you called your ministry Damascus, is because you had that awakening that St. Paul moment when, you know, like he was blinded and, and, you know, like you were, in a sense, not accepted to Notre Dame. You, you were disqualified from the state wrestling tournament. I mean, was that, was that like a Damascus moment? Is that the idea? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think Holy Spirit named our apostolate. We, we went through a, a, a process where we wrote down and discerned with the whole community a hundred different names and we narrowed those names down to 10 names, and we narrowed them down to two names. And it was very collaborative. And at the end of the day, the two names that we had that we wanted to call our postulate, uh, neither of them were Damascus. And Damascus was never on the list of 100 names. And we were just kind of frustrated because we wanted God to do something, but we didn't know what to call it. <laughs> and um, hmm. and uh, it was actually a friend of ours, um, David Karam, who, uh, as we were praying and discussing, he said, what, you, what, what we desire in the Church today is, is the Damascus moment. That's what we need. And mm-hmm. it, Damascus just felt right. And it was, but what we've really grown to learn is it's not just about the Damascus moment. It's really about what happened in Damascus. That Paul has his conversion on the road to Damascus, that faith awakening, and um, where he encounters Jesus Christ. But then at Damascus, he's healed um, you know, his, his eyesight is restored and the healing power of God comes into his life. And that's so important in people's lives today that it's not like, I think we talk in the church a lot of like, 
we just need to encounter Jesus. We need to encounter Jesus. No, we need to encounter the love of Jesus. Our eyes need to be awakened to the power of his presence in the Eucharist. But our hearts need to be healed as well. And so he was healed, and then he was prayed for for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that launched him into a life of missionary activity. And that is so important, and we often miss that step in the church. It's why it's like we try to educate the faith, and we even provide encounter experiences. But do we lay hands on people mm-hmm. in our ministries and pray for a full release of the Holy Spirit that's going to send them on mission? And, um, you know, I like to say that you'll never, you'll never experience the gift of the Holy Spirit fully in your life until you first receive a call to mission and say yes to that call, that, that God equips us when we say yes to the call. He's not just going to pour out all these gifts and then... And that's, it's, it's, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a call, and then I'm going to equip you to fulfill that call on your life. And so really, our heart is what happens after Damascus. It's that missional call of the church needs to be restored. Mm. Men out there, you're listening to Iron Sharpens Iron. It is a production of Fathers of St. Joseph and Catholic Men's Ministry, and it's in cooperation with St. Gabriel Radio, 820 a.m. here in the state of Ohio. Uh, Devin Shad with Fathers of St. Joseph. I'm Matt Palmer with Catholic Men's Ministry. We're joined today by Dan Demite, and Dan is the executive director of Damascus. Damascus is a ministry that the Holy Spirit has set on fire to share the love of Jesus Christ with, uh, really with the whole world, but primarily with young people. That's a central focus of Damascus. So, Dan, as we, as we, uh, kind of enter the second second half of our of our session here together talk a little bit about how does damascus bring young people to an encounter with jesus christ and then prepare them for mission and evangelization help help our listeners understand exactly what damascus is doing yeah thanks so much matt for that opportunity um i would say um before i talk about what we do I guess it'd be valuable to say how we do it, right? <laughs> it's uh, it's not about what we do, but who we are. And I think um, ultimately we're a community of missionaries, and we live a, a way of life that strives to be completely and entirely centered on Jesus Christ, where we proclaim Jesus' name often. We proclaim the gospel. We, we proclaim uh, that, that Jesus is alive and not dead. We, the works of Jesus are alive and not dead, that we're a part of a miracle-working church not a church that had miracles 2,000 years ago, but that the Acts of the Apostles never ended. We're living in chapter 2021 of the Acts of the Apostles, and uh, and we're part of the story. And and we're we're a community that just lives with deep faith and deep uh, mission. And I think what happens is when people experience that community, they they experience the, the apostolic church again, and they say, hey, I really... I want that. <laughs> I want that life in the Holy Spirit. I want, I want to know Jesus in that way. And so what we do is we run summer camps uh, and retreats for middle schoolers and high schoolers. And so year-round, we have about 100 full-time missionaries. Uh, about 55 of them are committed in a two-year program for formation and training. And those missionaries run summer camps. Um, and we, we serve about 6,000 young people. This will serve about 6,000 this summer in a summer camp ministry. Our, our goal is that we would provide high adventure activities that lead to a high adventure faith. So we like to say there's nothing boring about Catholicism. There's just a bunch of boring Catholics, and we're trying to break that <laughs> the, the boring Catholic uh, syndrome in the church. And 
So we present the faith just with vibrancy, but we do it also in a human way where it's like, okay, let's do high adventure activities. Let's go on high ropes course. Let's go on a rock climbing wall. Let's do zip lines and, uh, and paintball. And so the kids, middle schoolers and high schoolers, they have this uh, experience where it's like, wow, I can, I can love Jesus and love life at the same time. <laughs> and uh, so the two go hand in hand, that, and the Lord can be found in the vibrancy of life, not just in the silence of the chapel. And, um, and so that's like the summer camp ministry and then retreats as well. We want to see transformation of parishes and schools. And so we run three-day retreats for middle schoolers and high schools. And pretty neat. Every week we've got, you know, 150 to 200 kids here Wednesday through Friday for retreats. And then on, on Friday night, another 200 kids go up for confirmation retreats. And it's just a powerful experience to um, awaken the faith in the young church to restore a lost generation for Jesus Christ. Mm, Damascus is is both in a place a place of encounter uh, in spiritually, but it's also a physical place. Um, our listeners might be interested in knowing just a little bit about the Damascus campus itself, of course. And you are now moving across the country into some other physical places. Share share with our listeners a little bit about Centerburg, Ohio, the campus there, and then how the ministry is is being broadened. Yeah, it's a miracle. Um, you know about. Five years ago, in 2016, uh, the Lord raised up the generosity of a number of families to help us build or well, purchase 500 acres of land and build a world-class uh, mission campus for the work of awakening the young church. And um, so, you know, we, it, it, it's really exciting. That first summer, we served about 1,000 young people, and we built cabins and uh, an evangelization center to serve that size, and then we had a waiting list, and so we built more, and then we built more, and we built more, and so it's really become a, you know, this campus that just uh, is really poised to serve um, a, a large group for for the work of ministry, and um, God's been calling us to, yeah, plant these uh, communities, if you will, around the country, and so we're looking to open another camp uh, in St. Paul, Minneapolis area, and uh, we've got big dreams for uh, multiple camps across the U.S. so that we could serve 100,000 young people every year. I think it's, you know, there's so many opportunities out there that kids are going to summer camps all over the country, and a lot of these summer camps are having an encounter with Jesus outside of the church, because there's a lot of great Protestant summer camps out there, and, um, you know, camp ministry is a key way just to bring a young person into a relationship with Jesus because they're away from technology, they're away from cell phones, you have six days with them, they're in, in the beauty of nature. Uh, it, it, it prepares the soil of the heart to be super fertile for the gospel. And, um, and so we're excited to see what God does. Devin, there's some great um, models here, some great best practices that as you and I think about the men's ministry that we're part of, as we think about um, serving men and calling men to an encounter with Christ and then preparing them for mission, I'm hearing things that I'm sure you and I can, um, can that resonates for us. Talk a little bit about what, what's going on at Damascus that even older men, you know, need to integrate both this call that Christ has, but, be, but living it out in, the, in, a, in a real world. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, well, I think what... Dan said that's extremely powerful is that they are a part of the apostolic church, the actual church, 
the church that Jesus established that's still alive 2,000 years later. It's real. There's still miracles. Jesus is proclaimed. It's centered on Christ. That's everything. And, and I love what he says that about the idea of mission. You know, when you, you have a mission implanted in your heart, then God qualifies you to live that mission. You know, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. So he calls us, and then he qualifies us, he equips us with the Holy Spirit. But I think what's going on, really, a lot of times in the Church is that we have this idea that the priests and the bishops, they'll, they'll do everything. You know, they, they've got a handle on this. And I think we've lost the art of begging God for mission, begging God for our place, trying to figure out what God wants of us. And God has a call on every human heart, and so it's up to us to begin to pray and discern that. So I think that really at the bottom of this, what, what Damascus has that we all need is this Christ-centered hope that God has a mission specifically for each and every one of us to live. And, and for me as a father, it begins in my home. It begins in my vocation as a husband and a father to take on sacrificial responsibility. And then born out of that a lot of times is, a, is another mission, if you will, an associated mission. But that's what I love about what Dan's got going on, is this idea of the live, alive, apostolic church. And then these guys there are, like, living a mission that they believe in. They they think that's personal to them. You know, this you morning... Know, Devin, that's so neat, because that's, like, the, the essence, too, of men's ministry. So you look a, around a lot of ministries, and they struggle to get men involved, mm-hmm. right? Like, the, the guy-to-girl ratio is always off, and... We've got amazing men in our community that are, and, and guys are drawn to it because we're doing things, first of all, that are physical, right? Like incarnational. Jesus was an incarnational God. And um, so, you know, playing paintball together, rock climbing, that these are part of the essence of spiritual life. And, but, but then at the same time, we're not just asking them to gather in a room for a Bible study. We're, we're, we're equipping them when they get gathered to go and live a life of mission. And, if it's just consumerism and not readiness and equipping for the work of the Lord, it, uh, it doesn't appeal to men as, as well. But when it's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to gather to be mobilized, that's, that's exciting for a man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So powerful. I think there's so many great lessons here for, for men's ministry, Dan. And maybe continue, Dan, a little bit down this road. As you think about all the fathers um, that are out there listening today, these are men that first um, may be searching for Christ in their own heart, in their own life, but they also know that their children need to be filled with Christ. And they're looking for, how, you know, Damascus can help me, but I, as Devin just said, I, I have a responsibility in my home to incarnate Jesus Christ for my spouse, for my children, at the workplace. Dan, how can men begin to take what's happening in Damascus and make it real in their own lives, in their own homes, in their own workplaces? What, where would you encourage men to start as they listen to this exciting life that you are giving, allowing the Holy Spirit to, to live in young people? Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, you know, I think no, no matter what, just do it. Right. There's nothing there's there's no little that you can do as a dad that, that isn't a witness. And so praying with your children, having family di- dinner, having family conversations about the faith like that. It doesn't matter if you do it really, really well. <laughs> you just got to do it. Right. And, um, and but I think the things that uh, to 
kind of piggyback on this conversation, um, raise your children to be given away. Don't raise your children uh, to be consumers of the culture. And when I when I seen so many families, uh, I just I watch parents as a witness. I just want to learn from them, right? And I've seen two different kinds of parenthood where there's um, those parents who help raise their children to build a comfort kingdom for themselves in the future, and those who raise their children uh, to give their lives uh, away. And it's so, you know, how do you do that? Well, help your kids learn to have the broken heart of Jesus. The Jesus is sacred heart. It's on fire because it's also pierced with the crown of thorns. His heart is broken over the brokenness of humanity. And if we help expose our children to brokenness, it starts to form in them a desire that, hey, I want to I want to partner with Jesus to give my life away in service of others. Um, and then I think also just helping them understand that life is, is full when you give yourself away in service to others, so that that's when you discover who you are. And life isn't about having the best grades. It's not about being the best on the team. It's not about uh, getting into the best Ivy League college. That that the fullness of life is discovered on Je- with Jesus on the cross. And it's actually challenging as a parent because every parent wants their children to succeed in the eyes of the world, and they want them to be happy in the eyes of the world. And in a sense, we need happiness redefined for us. That happiness looks like a man that hung on the cross 2,000 years ago, and your child's going to be more fulfilled, more satisfied, and more fully human when they reach that as the mark of their life, as opposed to um, having, you know, a a six-figure job. And, and so I think that the, if we can help walk with them in that, um, it will really bless them. Devin, we're down to about a minute. Um, put a bow on this for men as we, as we leave this episode and uh, just give some context that, and some encouragement for men that we can do this. We can step into this kind of dynamic, real faith, a real relationship with Jesus. Yeah, well, selfishness is the easiest thing for any of us to do. You know, comfort will make cowards of us all. And we all want to be heroes. We all want to be, in a sense, warriors. We want to be real men. And as Dan says, I mean, the cross is the key. So what is this? Jesus in John 3, I think 8 and 12, says, When the Son of Man is lifted up, he will draw all men to himself. And that that word lifted up in the Greek is hypsao. And hypsao can be lifted up in exaltation, but lifted up also in execution. And so the two are one. Execution, exaltation, and for the sake of Christ, is our glory. And if we can start to ask, just ask, just sort of desire to desire, St. Augustine say, to do this, God will impart the grace of the Holy Spirit for us to live that mission of being hipsado, lifted up. And that's when we begin to taste real happiness, as Dan is saying. Men, men, listen to what you've heard today. This is... Uh... This has been Iron Sharpens Iron, and I've just been so blessed, uh, uh, Devin and I, to have Dan Demite with us, Damascus. Men, let's go die to ourselves and live for Christ by living for our family and our children and lifting ourselves up in offering ourselves to our families for the glory of Christ. Thanks for joining us, Iron Sharpens Iron. We'll be back with another session. Have a great day, men. Go live for Christ today. God bless.